Thank you so much, everybody, for joining me on the Luck Stops Here podcast here this week. I am your host, Scott Bowser, and this is a, a full episode. I know uh, a couple days ago, the new one was a mini episode, but it was a special one with uh, Doug Stanhope. So I felt like I had to get that one out as soon as possible. And I hope you enjoyed that. And if you haven't heard it yet, please check that one out. Doug's a very funny guy, one of my all-time favorite comics. Um, I would love it if you're uh, just joining us, if you could hit subscribe Maybe you know, leave a little review and give us a five-star rating. That has really helped us made uh, the show grow so far. And I really appreciate your support. Thank you so much. And uh, this week I have my friend Tess Barker. We go back a long ways, as you'll hear on the show. And uh, she didn't know what the Pussy Posse was. And if you don't know who the Pussy Posse is or the members are, oh, you're going to find out all about it on this episode. So stick around and thank you so much. I'll see you later. And welcome, everybody. This week, I have a good friend of mine. We've known each other for decades now at this point. Um, going back all the way to the Bush administration, Tess Barker. Tess, how you doing? Oh, my God. Yeah, we, it is back to Bush, huh? Yeah. I think it, date, it predates 2008. Yeah, we've known each other through we, like four presidents four, now. Four presidents. Wow, <laughs> this is even gnarlier. <laughs> Maybe five, depending how this week goes. Actually, yeah, yeah, you never know. Like, yeah, there could be a wild card. You know what's <laughs> funny is, like, uh, I have a predictit.org account, which is like a political gambling. It's like combining a sports gambling website with a stock market website, but for politics predictions. And so I make bets on there. Well, it's not so much make bets. Like everything has like a dollar cap. So something that's very likely to happen mm. will be like at 84% and 16%. So you can buy the one at 16 cents a share and the other at 84 cents a share. But I bought that Mike Pence won't make the announcement for the Electoral College like last week at like nothing. And then it doubled and I was able to sell and make a pretty good little profit on it without it, oh, anything congrats. even happening. Because it's like it, it doesn't matter if it actually happens or not. It's like the market plays itself out through in the weeks leading up to it. So all you need is like one tweet. Oh, that's fun. One tweet to go viral, raise some questions and the odds shift real quick and you sell out. Like I had Trump to win like bets on it and, or like like by a certain amount. And I was able to sell them for a huge profit on You're election sick. night. On election night before the official announcement result, because I was like, wait, I'm going to be able to get this before the mail votes are counted. And so, like, and then I was able to reinvest. So you already kind of knew you were paying attention and you kind of knew that was going to play out that way. Yep. And so, yeah. So, hey, for those of you gambling, gamblers listening to the show, predictic.org. It's like combining Robin Hood with uh my bookie it's a it's a it's a real treat for a true degenerate like myself it's really fun i think that's actually something i might want to dabble in that sounds like it's because then i have been trying to be on twitter less though and i feel like if i was holding on to some assets that's value is dependent on twitter that wouldn't help with that very much well it's crazy too like for like the presidential race it was really insane where they had it grouped in like electoral vote totals in the by 20 2020 or whatever so it's like if you nail that exact, you had to be in that 20 vote window to get to the right electoral number. But when those shares first went up, you're looking at getting them for like 11 cents per. So if you took by, right. if you took them like in the right, like three range where it's like it could go any which way and you can have it each way. And those 11 cents shares become a dollar each. You just went almost 10 to one on it like that's fantastic. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Like I definitely I, I put 10 bucks in there. And I've like doubled it basically or whatever since I started tripping. So is that sort of like the most you would win off of it is like twenty bucks? Uh no, well no, because like I guess the most you could possibly win is if you bought something for like a one cent, and then it became a a dollar, so it'd be a hundred to one. And so, I but guess, it is still basically like penny stocks. Kinda, yeah. It's like, ba- it's basically okay. doing penny stocks for political futures. But the weird thing is, it'll be like, will Mike Pence make a sp- like? They'll have like really specific things like. Like, like the Super Bowl prop bets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be, but like for con- which I love for congressional districts and stuff like that. So it'll be like, uh, like Wyoming House of Representatives, how many seats do the Republicans win or whatever, and it'll like have like a over. It'll have like different numbers for each thing, and like the, right now the New York mayor race is on there, and so there's like seven, eight different candidates. Andrew Yang, former presidential candidate. 
appears to be the front runner at 32 cents a share. So if you get him right now and he wins it, you're tripling your money. Wait, what does he have to win? Mayor of New York? Yeah. He's the current front runner. What's that? Oh. He he is he running? Yeah, he's yeah, actually he's running. running. He's running. Yeah, he's the Oh, I kind of love that for them. I kind of love that. There's some other lady. I haven't done too much research into her, but I saw her at 18 cents per and I was like, see, now that's one okay, you throw five bucks contender. on. That's because that's right. You're getting more than five to one odds on that. And, you know, you're looking pretty good if she wins. Like, I, I think, though, this is like where the future is going, because politics has basically become like reality TV fantasy football for most people. Like mm-hmm. you heard this. I saw this with a lot of people like with Biden campaign or cabinet picks on Twitter. Or it's literally like them just trying to put together their dream team in their head of who are the perfect people that haven't had a major scale. Absolutely. And it's just like it's It's fantasy politics. It's fantasy politics. Yeah. Where it's like, hey, if you're going to do that shit, put some money on this stuff. If you're such an expert, you know, everything that's going to go down because if you're going to piss away this much time doing it, make some profit. Yeah. I mean, might as well. I think it's interesting to pay attention to just like I pay attention to the stock market and like sports gambling, obviously. But it's like one of the mm-hmm. it's, it's like a separate type of market, like f- like market out there. And like you can almost get a feeling for how things are going to play out in real life just by how the market reads itself sometimes. Oh, that's interesting. That's kind of trippy. Like I, I, I kind of saw the Georgia going to the Democrats in the Senate runoffs because I was noticing it was basically an even money prop. And, if and were, what did it start out as? It was like heavy repo. Like if you, if you would have done this back like before the November election and all before the runoff, and you would have taken the two Democrats, you probably would have got them at like thirty thirty five cents a share, and maybe even like twenty twenty five cents. And so now you'd be looking to clean up that full dollar per on them because it does close at a certain point, and when it closes, you you have to have cashed out by then. But it gives you a certain window right. to cash out. But I like that it's a low barrier to entry because I famously, you know, obviously my husband is a huge degenerate. So I gamble like through him, like whatever he's gambling for, I want to happen, you know, but I personally, I don't really gamble. I like, I lost like a hundred bucks on the Super Bowl like four years ago and (laughs) I'm just like, fuck this, I'm out. But I like the idea of a low barrier for entry. So it's like, whatever. Okay. I I mean, if I am going to gamble, I'll have Sean put like 20 bucks on something for me, something where it's just like. But okay, I don't. It's not. I'm not going to be. Pissed I'm not going to notice it. it. Yeah. Yeah. And like, yeah. So yeah. that sounds fun. Yeah, and it's pretty cool. Like, I don't know. It's kind of interesting. Like, especially when you start doing the deep dive on it, and you're just like, okay, like this is what like. It's like uh, a lot of them were like going up to this week. Like, how many Republican senators will object to the electoral college revolts? Like, oh, like over under six. And then that's like it was big money on the over on that. It was like crazy, like eighty four cents or whatever. So it's like some, sometimes you can get these like super ch- – and sometimes when there's multiple options, that's the real money, like in the primaries. Because mm-hmm. like you could you could have got Biden dirt cheap early in the primaries because he didn't do well. Diversify the, your portfolio. Yeah, sell abs- off fucking Mayor Pete right after Iowa. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you want to sell those Mayor Pete bonds, corporate – like short-term corporate bonds. Get rid of Mayor Pete that first weekend, yeah. <laughs> if, if Mayor Pete was – as a – like. He is if a corporate bond was a human being. <sighs> I think that's. I can see that being a good short-term investment because he did have a little boom. Yeah, you know he did. He, he capitalized on that. Turn it around. I think he's going to turn himself into department of uh, secretary of transportation or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, I think, and I honestly, I don't know a lot about him, but I, my first thought was like that seems appropriate. Like I was happy for both him and the Department of Transportation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that always seems like the uh, that reminds. Uh, you know what that reminds me. Of? I'm going to turn this. Watch. I'm going to make this a Vegas reference real quick here. This is a Vegas show, but that's like in like ma- making Mayor Pete Secretary of Transportation. That's like in Casino with Robert De Niro when he gets in trouble with the gaming license. So they're like, just give him the food and beverage position and get the hell out. Of yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> just. And it's like, and then what does he do? He doesn't take the food and beverage position. He gives himself a TV show instead. Because he's got it. <laughs> and you know what? This show is actually, that was my inspiration. I was watching Casino. And that was my inspiration for doing this Love pod. 
Is really? The scene where De Niro's doing interviewing Frankie Avalon in the casino, and he's got mm. his own show. He's got his stupid cable access show. It's like, I w- like if I had the budget, this show would be like live at the circus circus sports book, and me like wearing three thousand dollars suits doing Ace Rock. I can so see that, like very like seventies kind of vibe, yeah. like maybe a velvet painting somewhere, bright light. Absolutely, and you have like. Like the ex showgirl, like one of the showgirls, like be my like co-host announcer. That would be so cute. Yeah, like that's your sidekick as a showgirl. Yeah, like in a big you throw e- it her. hardcore evening. Maybe the showgirls in an evening gown, and she kind of runs the band. Yeah, like because that's how, yeah. like that. I I watch you know, and when because I watched the original Frank Rosenthal show that the guy that De Niro's character was based on in Casino. And that intro, I'll text it to you after. It's an amazing Please. intro of like, because it's like the showgirl out there going, he's the number one handicapper in North America, blah, blah, blah. He runs three casinos, including this one. Mr. Frank Rosenthal will remind me like, this guy's a degenerate who's been kicked out of at least three casinos for being yes! an asshole. Knows <laughs> all of the, yeah, no, has hand tossed. Hannah, Hannah's going to help do it because she's going to do the music and do the voiceover for it. For, it's like, oh, we're working on it. I just need to give her the copy because I'm being lazy. I've been busy. I don't know. That's fantastic. No, I get it. I get it. But yeah, I, Casino, uh, I like to think of it really as a documentary. <laughs> it is. It's such a beautiful movie. And I honestly, Casino is a movie that my brother and I used to always watch together when we were teenagers, actually. Like, we always both love that movie. And like, it's probably my favorite Scorsese movie. Really? I kind of think so. I mean, it's the one I feel like I have the most fun watching. And I think, like, it's probably my favorite Sharon Stone role that she's ever played. Oh, yeah. Easy. Okay. So I'm kind of there for Sharon. And, like, I don't know. Pesci is so good in it. And, like, I don't know. The writing is so good. Have you ever it's read just... the book? No. Okay. So the book's great because, okay, Nicholas Pelleggi for him and Scorsese teamed up originally for Goodfellas. And then they teamed up for Casino. They basically wanted to recreate that formula again. Mm-hmm. But um, so he had written Wise Guy, the book about Henry Hill in like 1986, and then they it became a big bestseller. So they optioned it, turned it into a movie. But for Casino, when Scorsese decided that he wanted to do this movie, they got together and Pelleggi was working on the book as they were doing the, the screenplay. So they were oh. doing it like simultaneously. So they were, he was basically developing the book with Scorsese in his ear. Yeah. And so the book has some fascinating parts where I get why they didn't put it in the movie because it's already a three hour and 20 minute movie. You can't put every yeah. every detail of a casino skim in there. But yeah. so when they were skimming the slot machines, when you skim a million dollars in quarters, it's hard to, to move that around. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, OK. I mean, now it's all vouchers, cash vouchers with slot machines. So like you don't have quarter buckets anymore. I think they still have them at the El Cortez downtown. But you don't have many machines actually paying on quarters. But so back then, remember when it, casinos used to have the cha- like the change cage in the middle of the slot mm-hmm. machine floor? Absolutely, yeah. Those were put in by the mob. They wouldn't put those on the books and the blueprints, and they would put those in there. So they would have all the quarters that they stole oh, in that's that. That's so smart. And then the, the everyday people would come up and give them their cash for those quarters, and they were just turning it into paper money that way. So they were just washing the money like right there, right, right there open. in the fucking wide open in the cash <laughs> cage. Yeah. I mean, I find that whole everything about. I also like. Vegas now but he like before he had kids he worked in like Reno and Vegas and worked in casinos and stuff like that so I always heard at at a certain point he was like the night auditor at a casino and he worked at Harry's when like Sammy Davis Jr. was there that's awesome at Harrah's yeah yeah and then my brother all slot machines are like really big in my family because my brother is like that's one of the biggest experts in slot machines yeah, he 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 restores them and like rebuilds them and yeah. everything. Like, yeah, he knows everything about every because because our he got it because our grandma growing up had this old slot machine that my brother still has at his house that was probably from like the forties or some shit that took dimes. Had this huge fucking Portuguese family. So how they would like entertain the kids is our grandma would just give us rolls of dimes, That's and we crazy. like all of me and my cousins all we ever did was play outside, and then we would just come inside, wait in line to play the slot machine. And if you hit the fucking jackpot, you got to trade your dimes in for like a crisp 20. Oh. So she got us all like addicted to gambling when we were like 
we we loved that slot machine so like from that my brother just developed this like love of slot machines that's so cool well, my, my great aunt and uncle had uh an old nickel slot that my grandfather bought my grandma like back my great grandma my great grandfather bought my great grandmother back in like the 30s i think it was like a really really Those old are beautiful machine yeah and i i i wish me or my brother came up on it when they my uncle but like when my aunt died, they just kind of, he did one of those things where their house was so packed in Fullerton. Like he just basically was like, like, Hey, come give me a quote for everything in it. And I'm going to move away. Cause I don't even want to deal yeah. with moving this shit. So yeah, I wish, I really wish. Cause I was like, it was our great grandfather that bought it, but he was basically like, Hey, you like to play this shit so much. It's costing us an arm. If, if all you want to do is sit there and pull the thing, I'm going to buy one. and It's going to put it here. So we had, like, honestly, it's brilliant. And like, <laughs> you, you know, you've been to our house. We have a yeah. nickel slot and like Sean and I both sometimes, if you're just like pacing around or thinking about shit, it's just kind of fun to, to do a few pulls at the slot. Honestly, there's been times where I've dog sat for you guys and I'm sitting there like with the TV on like, betting on a sporting event and i'll get like kind of nervous so i'll walk over and put a nickel in real quick yeah it's a good like hey (laughs) papa needs a new pair of shoes give me some luck here exactly and then you feel like it's like lucky if you win a few nickels or whatever exactly and And even perfect for sports when you need somewhere to put that anxiety when you're like pacing around yeah no and even it's like i'll put a nickel and even if i lose on that nickel i'll be like Okay, that's a good sign. I lost here, but I'm gonna win up there. Like either exactly. way, I I can spin it in my head no matter what to 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 make it better for me. But yeah, no, it's a, like distract yourself your gambling habit with another gambling habit. That's how you do it. <laughs> and it is just like playing into that like monkey part of your brain. That's like it's like the it's like methadone for gambling. <laughs> no, totally. Like that'd be hilarious if there was like a methadone gambling clinic where they just they hand out scratchers, <laughs> scratchers and penny slots. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> you know, actually, penny slots are a lot more expensive because usually on yeah, penny slots it's like a sixty cent minimum pool. Yeah, like nickel slot, you can legit play a nickel per, but like penny slots, you got. See, I I was I started gambling in casinos before I turned twenty one. I didn't even have a fake ID. And what I learned is I had to play minimum bets on the slots because I did win a big one once. It was a nickel slot. The nickel paid 75 bucks. And they came paid me nice. out cash right there. They didn't ID me or anything. But they're like, man, you should have played the max play. You would have won like 5000 And I was just like, no, I'm glad I didn't because you guys definitely would have carded me over five grand. Right? You're like, I'll take my 75 <laughs> and have a nice savings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know who randomly has good luck at the slots is Babs. Every time I'm in Vegas with her, I feel like at least twice she's won like decently big on a slot. Really? That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And both times it's been like one of those things where I think one time was at an airport actually. Like we were just laid over and then one time's like we just got to Vegas and we were gonna go to bed. She's like, I'm just gonna put a couple bucks in and she won like a bunch of money right away. I win like fifty to a hundred on those quite often. There's one one, yeah. one one weekend where I was like it was literally my ATM. Right, it was a do- I would just go up to the dollar wheel of fortunes and I hit for like a <laughs> hundred, a hundred and fifty, seventy-five, and like two fifty throughout the weekend. And wheel time- of Fortune ATM. Yeah, it's like Wheel of Fortune ATM. Fuck man. <laughs> That's true degenerate shit. It's like I'm down to my last five bucks. Better go to the ATM. And like I swear, like I I did that three different times, and then like I would win a couple hundred bucks. I'd be like, all right, I'm back in the game for a while blow that in the next three hours all right i'm back with my last five wheel of fortune wheel of fortune and dealer no deal like i always do pretty well at like i can reliably i usually always win something on those wheel of fortune red white and blue but they don't have as many of the red white and blues anymore because that's where i first won on that nickel and like when i went from to laughlin for my 40th i the we got there like at four or five in the morning I see a red, white, and blue. I walk up to it and immediately won $55. Like, it was just like, bam, right out the gate. I was up. I love that. I mean, the, there's something about that that's just so nice, too, because it is like, they. I don't know, I feel like they give you just those little wins with just the amount that was like, well, that felt good, and I'm done. I feel like, too, that's the time to go hit those little wins. You're going to get those wins. It's like between like 3 and like 6, 7 oh. in the morning. Well, that is my favorite time in Vegas. That is... From 3 a.m. to 7 a.m. in Vegas is the most absurd, funny, oh, fun yeah. time 
of it, anywhere. The best period. part is like, I mean, it kind of sucks, but okay, when you like, when, I know how to deal with this now, but before, a lot of times the bars in the casino will shut down because they close for a couple hours for like maintenance or whatever from like yeah. four to six a.m. Right. But, like, so you'll be walking around a casino looking for a bar, and the only place you can get a drink really is at, like, a machine or table service. Like, the waitresses yeah. will come bring you. They have the service bars open, but it's hard to find. But it's, like, you don't realize it's, like, the lo- like if you just go around the block from the strip, every intersection has a dive 24-hour video poker bar for neighborhood people, like, in each neighborhood. And, like, those, like, you, like I ran into this. So Jen and I, when we first moved here, we started doing, like, the L.A. ritual of, have some cocktails at home, leave around 10, 11, go over to the bar, have a couple of drinks. They call last call at two. You go home. Very easy. But here they don't call last call ever. So you, right. you do that same thing and all of a sudden you look up and it's 630 in the morning. It's like, oh, shit. I just fucking drink till it's it's sunlight out now. Like, So yeah. what I've learned is uh, like when there's that late night, like after 3 a.m., if you're staying on the strip, Go to local spots if you want to keep going hard. That's a great call because, like, the mistake that I've made a lot of times, I mean, your other option, if you must, is going to one of those, like, after-hours places. Yeah, but. But those are just, you know, and I've done it because you want to keep drinking or whatever, but it's, like, I'd much rather go to, like, a local. Yeah, just go to one of the local dive, like, video poker bars. and like, Okay, if, you, if you're, like, near the strip, like, right by the Rio and stuff like that, like, right around from that. Um, just down Spring Mountain Road, there's the Golden Tiki. Awesome 24-hour tiki mm. bar with Ooh. awesome fruity cocktails and all that. And like That sounds like a great 3 a.m. hang. Yeah, it is. I've gone there at that hour, and they have good Polynesian food and stuff. So you get like, like Oh, fuck yeah. Like they, yeah, they have all kinds of cool little snacks. And like if you go during the evenings, like earlier, they'll have, they have really good bands that play there. Like they'll have like a lot of weird like surf rock bands and stuff. I love that. See, I like, I mean, I feel like especially in the last 10 years, downtown and like the outlight areas like off the strip have gotten just so fucking fun and so cool. Yep. I really want to spend more time just like staying more in those areas and going to like music and shit like that out there. I love the over on Rampart, the Tivoli Village. Little mm. shopping and office center. It's like made to look like a Mediterranean villa. And love that. And there's like, they just put in like, when I moved here, like I moved here in May of 2019, like that September, the microbrewery opened there called Hop Nuts. And they have a killer outdoor patio. And then you go next door, there's like a cigar lounge, like jazz club. Ooh. My dad would love that. Yeah, no, that place is really cool. And then there's like a gym and like a couple like random like little places, right? Then there's like a fancy Italian restaurant and then the Parkway Tavern, which is like a sports bar karaoke type spot. I'm going to need you to, like, send me a list of Vegas shit for next time I'm there because I have so many things I want to do now. Yeah, no, that village is awesome. And it's right across the street from the Suncoast Casino. So, it's like, I had some friends. In- oh, okay. I, Suncoast is, like, an old time. My sister and I love Suncoast. Suncoast that's, like, is our great, place. yeah. Yeah, that is a great hang. I mean, that's probably, like, one of my favorite casinos. I like it's the bowling just- alley lounge there. I always say that on the show. Yes. I, I probably bring that lounge up every episode. But that bar is the best. It's such a good ambiance. Like, it's so unpretentious, but such a fun time. They have a, a conference room in the back there. I want to do some live podcast recordings live from the conference room at the yes. Bowling Alley Lounge. Yes. Please do that. <laughs> yeah, Please we'll, do that. Yeah. No, next time you're out, we'll we'll we'll, we'll get that arranged. We'll, oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> we'll do like a lady to lady gambling podcast. Luck stops here crossover. So funny, <laughs> lady gambling crossover. Yeah, I think we can make that happen at the Suncoast Bowling Alley Lounge conference room, and it's actually a pretty good sized conference room because there's been a couple times where I look at the table and stuff in there, and I was like, this would be so perfect to go do like fake press conferences at. It may, you can make it look really real, like because it, it would. So can you just like open the door and hang out in there? Yeah, I've done it a couple times. Like, what? Okay, this is I've never, I've never told this story on the show. <laughs> But one time there was like a huge group. I don't know what it was, but there was like some conference in town and they're having their thing there. And so uh, with all these people in the like that lounge was like dead. It was like me and three other people sitting there drinking, watching some games, playing video poker. And then all of a sudden, like 40 people come in because they're about they're waiting for them to open up this this conference room. 
because usually it's wide open. But um, so like someone put on the jukebox. Uh, I forget what song it is on the, the Snoop Dogg doggy style, but it's the one that starts off with, "Can we get a small motherfucking moment of silence for the small oh, yeah. break?" Okay. Yeah, that's on doggy style. After it ain't no fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that song comes on the jukebox, and it was all these like boomers waiting for that conference room to open, and this <laughs> old lady just hears that and goes, "Did someone say something to me?" Like she thought. <laughs> She thought Snoop Dogg going, can we get him? Like, they they all thought there was someone in the room. Can we get a motherfucking moment of silence with <laughs> the small chronic break? <laughs> like, they all, like, she, like, reacted, and then they all kind of were like, whoa, who said that? And it's like, that. oh, that's on the radio. Whoa. It's, it was one of the funniest fucking things I've seen. But I got to, I, hey, I learned my lesson at that bowling alley lounge uh, about tap beers in Vegas. And I've said this on here. Oh. You got to stay away from that in 24-hour uh, bars like that. Like 24-hour bars that never oh. shut down because they never clean right. the taps and you get mold in there. Right. Okay, that's good to know. I mean, I'm a huge tap beer person, but I feel like that's seldom my drink at that hour. Yeah, yeah, like, but see, even if you do it at two in the afternoon, they didn't clean it the night before, so you're, like... Right, okay, so just no tap beers in Vegas, that's just a good thing to remind you. Yeah, yeah, stick to, I, I, I am more of a tap person, too, but the only, the only places I do the taps at are, like, okay, Parkway Tavern, where they have, like, 300 beers on tap, and they're all, If like, it's, like, a beer place. It's, like, a yeah. beer place with, like, micro, like, but they also have, like, the, uh, like, the mini kegs, so they're going through them quick, so you know those tap lines are a lot better. So, well, yeah. So it's kind of like why you don't order wine at a place that's not a wine bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you're gonna get some yeah. some guy dusting <laughs> off some old bottle of cab vinegar. Yeah. Open that, for three weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Like they de- <laughs> definitely gonna be pulling some shit like that. Speaking of wine bars in Las Vegas, the local wine bar here near me is the one where OJ hangs out at. So. uh we got to put wow. that on the list for when you come to visit. My goodness. Did okay. I, did I tell you that there was a body just found in his gated community? And it was a woman who looked really a lot like Nicole. Apparently, uh, it looks like she drowned in a lake, like drunk, fucking acting stupid in the middle of the night. But, you know, it happened near OJ. <laughs> Whoa. Do they, I mean, is there... She just lives in his complex. Like, yeah, they. Say, oh, I don't know. She, I don't know if she lived there. Yeah, he has nothing to do with it, as far as I know, okay. other than it was in his gated community. As far as we know. Yeah. Yeah. Allegedly, he has nothing to do with this, but like. <laughs> <laughs> but it was. So in wait, where's where's OJ living in Vegas? He lives o- over like um like North Summerlin, kind of like. Okay, by the golf course. Yeah, yeah, over that way. You know where, like, the three lakes, like, gated community, like, the... Yeah, the lake, like, right, over Like, in right. there, yeah, yeah. Like, that big gated area. Is he just, like, does he, is he beloved by the community? Does he have... Is he I just guess, hanging out and golfing? I, yeah, and, like, there's a few places where it's, like, he hangs out and people are like, hey, cool. I heard one of my friends was telling me that one of his... What guy I work with was saying that his buddy went to this restaurant on Mushrooms and saw OJ there. Like, oh, can you imagine? Yeah, like, oh no! Yeah, so so he sees OJ on mushrooms, and he's sitting there staring at him, tripping out for like twenty, thirty minutes, and finally works up the courage to go ask him, like, take a picture with him and shit. <laughs> and like, and he was cool about it, and he didn't make a scene. And the the restaurant came over after, and they comped him his meal for being cool about it, being like. Hey, we've had people complain when OJ's in here, and thanks for not doing that. This one was on the house. Don't worry about it. So he's sitting there with like this picture of him and high as shit on mushrooms. Picture of him and OJ in a comp meal. Like, what the fuck just happened? Oh my god, I truly don't think my brain can handle that. So wait a minute. So the sometimes OJ will be in the restaurant and other customers are like, what the fuck? Why is OJ here? Yeah. That man, I don't want to eat here. If that man's here kind of shit. Yeah. I mean, it is crazy. It is crazy. I mean, he committed a violent homicide in front of America. Yep. And <laughs> he robbed his own memorabilia out of the palace station. He robbed station. his own memorabilia. 
Oh my god. Does he ever like do, does he have girls around him? Are there women who are like I'll tell you I'll I'll give you something. I have mentioned this on the show, but uh a person a friend of mine on here, I know, um was on the dating apps for a while and matched with a girl on Tinder whose profile pic on Tinder was her and OJ hanging out together. Damn. I mean, I'm not surprised. Yeah, like we do. But you would think. <laughs> is it, how much do you want that picture, girl? Is that like how what, much do you want that picture? Like, is that a girl? That girl on Tinder basically being like, obviously, I like it rough. <laughs> I got a picture of me and OJ. I think you know where this is headed. Like, in the least, yeah. Wow. Yeah. No. Like. uh it's interesting. I, I really want to get him on the show just to do a fantasy football preview with me because he's quite obsessed. Bowser, with... you would. You would. You're the only person I know who could get away with that. And I don't <laughs> even know that. I don't even know that you will get away with it if you do it. <laughs> yeah. No, like I, here's the thing on that one. I definitely all of a sudden make a few enemies, but I feel like I gain a lot of new people on that, too. So. It's just all about, yeah, like the net. Like you're going to win some and lose some. Yeah. Like I think I. And, like, honestly, I think I can make it funny, like, with OJ. I was like, who do you think is going to kill it this year at wide receiver? Oh, and then, like, if I, like look at every receiver named Ron or Goldman. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> every receiver named Brown. Every, like, just kind of go through, like, every player named Brown. What do you think about Brown? What do you think about Goldman? What do you think about Brown? What do you think what about, about Goldman? What about if you also, like, I wonder if there's any sportscasters, like, named Nicole. So you can be like, what do you think about what Nicole said? Oh, I could probably find something like that. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of stuff. I interviewed. I mean, I feel like he's gettable. Yeah, he's definitely gettable. I got, K yeah. I, I interviewed Cato for Adam Shankman's show years ago. And I made it, like, Doug Pound helped me write it. And, like, the interview was basically every question the answer was either O, J, O, J, or Simpson. There was no way around answering those questions any other way. And he was fun. Like, Cato was cool about it because it's like he understands, like, all right, my claim to fame is I was, a, like, a murder witness, murder trial witness. Like, yeah. You know, okay, here's Cato some... seems, like, very much like he has a sense of humor about himself. He does. He... And, I mean, from the get-go, I think he did. Yeah. Like he knows That's how you become Kato Kalen. You don't become Kato Kalen without already having a sense of humor about yourself. Yeah, you don't you're not like you don't go from being a Christopher Walken to a Kato Kalen overnight. No. And no. Christopher Walken also witnessed a murder with Natalie Wood. So yeah, That's right. Yeah, I tied that together. That's right. You know what the one mm -hmm. that, that blows my mind is is William Shatner. Like I don't know, like you heard about his, right? Was he on the boat too? No, no, no. Was like to Natalie Wood? His ex wife fucking like drowned in their pool. But she had like a broken neck and they say she dived in and hit her head at the bottom. But the injuries aren't consistent with that at all. And it looks like he fucking killed. Like, I swear, like William Shatner killed that lady. Like, there's a lot of people that think. Really? That. Yeah. If you're looking to start when a true, was this? Like, like in the early 80s, this is like TJ Hooker years. Wow. Yeah. Shatner. Shatner. You know, that's do you a, know about you know about Candace Bergen and the Manson? Yeah, how she was living there with Doris Day's son, P Terry Melcher, right before. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then Roman Polanski and Sharon Tate moved into the house. That's why the Manson family went there is because he had a beef with Terry Melcher. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But isn't that crazy? That is. She not. was literally living in the house, like where the bodies were found. That's where she was living like a month prior. Uh, there's this great book, uh, true crime mafia story about this hit crew in Brooklyn back in the seventies and eighties. They're big Coke traffickers. They're called the murder machine. They're based in, uh, like, uh, Canarsie, Brooklyn. And they were like studio 54 type, like fucking like Saturday night fever looking fucking young studs that were just violent mafia hitmen. But, um, like, uh, God, now I get, um, Gina Davis was the babysitter for one of the dudes. Weird. <laughs> I feel like Gina Davis, like of all the celebrities, has some of the most like random trivia about her. Yeah. Like she's in Minsa. She's Olympic archer. She's like obviously freakishly tall. She dated Jeff Goldblum, which feels significant. Like it was this guy, Dominic Montiglio. Um, it was like he, I want to say 
he hung out at this restaurant in like like Greenwich Village, and the manager of the restaurant was Gina Davis's boyfriend or whatever. And he was like, yeah, she's a struggling actress looking for some extra work. He's like, oh, I need someone to watch the kids while I go to Florida. And so she became this, like, mafia dude's fucking babysitter. Like, So she would watch the kids while he would go do hits? Well, no, like, he wasn't, like, a big hit man. He was just a collect. He was mostly just a collection guy. Like, his uncle was a big-time loan shark. He would go around and pick up the envelope. He didn't have – he wasn't a – get your hands dirty type guy necessarily but he was associate he was the guy who ended up becoming an informant on this violent hit crew oh okay and they they were estimated to kill up to, up to maybe like 200 300 people like they were like the new murder inc where like other families knew they were so violent they would hire them to do stuff for them and shit like whoa it's a really good book like really really good i'm surprised they they've never made cuz like they made almost every other true mafia book or story into a movie by now i'm surprised they didn't do one where it's like basically like saturday night fever meets goodfellas like that could be a cool movie like yeah (laughs) these guys all. i'm sure somebody will eventually maybe scorsese's working on it right now oh no he's doing that that uh that book killers of the flower moon which was really good yeah i never read that book but it sounds pretty good i heard dicaprio they wanted him to play the good guy at first and he's like no i only want to do this if i'm the like the the evil dude oh really (laughs) yeah See, as much as you want to hate on DiCaprio, he like does cool shit like that. Yeah, no, that's a power move. I'm, I can, I can definitely support that. I don't, I like Leo. I don't get the people that hate on him. I oh, Leo is my number one. I had a crush on him when I was a teenager, and I still have a crush on him. I love Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> I, no, and I'll say this too. Like, okay, this goes back to Gilbert Grape, but to pull off a performance like that, where like you play like a special needs yeah. character. Like that's which I know is cliche, but like he fucking nailed it. And then did Basketball Diaries, which is like kind of similar, but like different. Like he also played like a severe heroin addict. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then like he just consistently has put out good work. I mean, then he transitioned the fucking like Departed. You know what I like too was Romeo and Juliet. That one gets hated. Oh. That one. Are you kidding? That was my favorite movie in high school. That like that's probably my favorite Shakespeare play adapted to movie. It's a beautiful movie. It's really it, like, the well costumes done. Costumes are beautiful. Yep. The music is beautiful. Like, and it like I mean, I was the perfect age for it because I was a teenager, and so it was like, oh, this makes Shakespeare interesting to teenagers. Yeah, no, and it was like this dystopian future. There was like almost like a Mad Max element to it. It was dope. Like, oh, that was a cool movie. Like, fucking John Leguizamo is so good in yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, no, it's got a great Claire Danes was amazing in that too. Claire Danes is amazing. Paul Sorvino. I mean, but like. Claire Danes and Leo at their fucking peak. It was so hot. Yeah. The best. Yeah. I mean, it was the best. 90s Leo, really. Like, I wouldn't even put Titanic in his top five, probably. You know what's another good one with him? No. Uh, this Boy's Life with Robert De Niro and Ellen Barkin. Oh, that's a great movie. I think that's when him and Robert De Niro started working together. Yep. And it's when him and Tobey Maguire first met because Tobey Maguire played one of his friends. That's right. That's actually really cute. I also yeah. do like his friendship with Tobey Maguire. I think it's yeah, really I mean, cute. Like I mean, the pussy posse. Boy buddies. The pussy posse. How can you not like the pussy posse? I love the pussy posse. And you know what cracks me up is some of the lower level members of the pussy posse. Because obviously, <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio and Tobey Maguire get all the run as the, 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 the ranking officers of the pussy posse. You know that there's others there, but those are the only two I can name. Okay. Well, Kevin Conley from Entourage is one of them. Yeah, the guy that played Kevin E. Kevin Conley played which one? E. He's in the pussy. E is in the pussy posse. He was an original fucking card card bearing member. Okay. Uh yeah, David Blaine. <laughs> David Blaine is in the pussy was in the pussy posse. And I'll tell you what, magicians fucking get ass. And I don't get it. I don't get it at all. Brido, uh, when he was on the show, he told me, like, he saw a lesbian comic that we know, uh, and he said her name, so I don't mind her, Mo Welch once get a guy's number after a show, and he was just like, what the fuck? And she's like, hey, he's a magician, probably good with his hands. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's, I mean, yeah, they're, they're good at uh, making things disappear. Yeah, they, know? Here's my disappearing penis trick. <laughs> 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 oh, 
<laughs> like, okay, so those guys, and then the other guy I can think of, and now this is where the pussy posse story gets a little <laughs> dark and disturbing, but I can't think of the guy's name. Jay, I can't remember his fucking last name. Remember the guy on Mad Men that grows the beard and becomes married to Peggy Olsen at the end? Like the art guy? Oh, yeah. That He's guy. Yeah, he that guy. Okay, and so he had a whole thing with like him like calling and harassing Elizabeth Berkeley and Elizabeth Berkeley's boyfriend calling him being like, hey, dude, knock this shit off. And the pussy posse guys like, hey, on, we'll come down here and fight us then kind of shit. <laughs> <laughs> so do you think Leo himself was like ready to step up? No, I think Leo was sitting there like like a king <laughs> yeah. controlling his pawns, watching them move around the chessboard at his leisure. Yeah, that face is worth too much to be getting into. And you know what pawns do on the chessboard, right? They protect the king and go down instead of the king. <laughs> That's what happens there. That guy, like, you figure half the pussy posse was just there to fall on their sword in case fucking <laughs> Leo had to go down. Because that's the fucking... They came for Leo, yeah. <laughs> yeah like... I mean, I don't know why I'm really hung up on this E thing. Just because, like, of all the characters in Entourage, he was the biggest weenie. Oh, yeah. Oh, Lucas Hawes. Okay, Lucas Hawes makes sense because I feel like he's like Toby Maguire. I feel like Luke, Lucas Hawes was maybe like the consigliere of the group. Like if Leo's, if we're using mob hierarchy, Leo's clearly the Don. Toby's mm-hmm. his underboss. And then mm-hmm. Lucas Hawes is like secretly there as the consigliere kind of, you know, doing weird things. You ever seen that movie with him and David Arquette, Hustlers? Where he plays the kid on his 21st birthday and he's trying to turn enough tricks so he can fucking... Uh, He's like turning tricks on Hollywood Boulevard. He's just trying to suck enough dick so he can make money to have a fucking hotel room for his twenty first birthday. It's such a sad movie. Oh, no, that yeah. is such a. Did that come out in like two thousand two? Yeah, that something like very, that. Like early on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like I have seen it. That feels like around the same time of like Go. Yeah, David Arquette was like the veteran guy, and he's the twenty one guy on his twenty first birthday. And Lucas Haas plays like his friend that's just like new to sucking dick on the fucking corner. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not bad. But uh, have you ever seen the movie Sunny that's directed by Nicolas Cage, his directorial debut? Yeah, with James Franco as the yeah. prostitute in like New Orleans or whatever. That movie is batshit crazy. Yeah, it's wild. Or his like, he, I think he, doesn't he fuck his mom in that or something like? He fucks older ladies. Like that's the gimmick. He's a male prostitute, so he just like has this cadre of like old women that he fucks all the time. But that's pretty much the whole movie. It's just a bunch of old Southern women being like Sunny. Just give it to me, Sonny. And, yeah. like, Nick Cage has a cameo in it and a fur coat. I'm not remembering the storyline much more other than James Franco was a prostitute who fucks old ladies. I always liked his wardrobe in that because he had the cool, like, vests and fucking, like, wide lapel jackets and stuff like that. Yes. Yeah. I think that was right after James Dean, right? Yeah. I think. It's supposed to be something. Yeah. Um, oh, what was the other one I was thinking of? Uh, um, I can't think of it. Well, there's a... Oh no! Uh, think of the Last American Virgin. Did you ever see that? Like it was like one of those like coming of age early '80s movies where it's like really bad. But there's the scene where they all pay for the prostitute together and they all get crabs oh. from her, and then they go to the swimming pool and try and drown the crabs in the pool. And it's like a. It's very like Porky's. It's like yeah, but it's like Porky's but dramedy. So they try and make it serious. Like so they have a couple moments like that, but in a lot of it's like this like kind of love story and like the whole thing is just the guy like gets rejected by the girl he's in love with by his asshole friend it's actually kind of re- the one thing that's like very realistic maybe about high school for most people <laughs> like, but it's it was a pile of shit like uh but no okay so back to the e and his uh legacy as a pussy posse member <laughs> now if you recall on entourage he made a movie with Vinny chase that was a huge pile of shit called Medellin. About uh, yes. gangster Pablo Escobar. Now, okay. he went on to direct the John Travolta, John Gotti movie. Which no, you can... he didn't. Yes. So you can basically... He directed that? Yeah. So that's like a hardcore case of art imitating life, imitating art. Im... Absolutely. Like, it's so down the route. That's like a mystery show sketch. How down the, down the route. Wow. So, yeah, like that. So like... John Travolta became his Vinny Chase. He became his Vinny Chase so they can make Gotti. Which, if you haven't seen Gotti, he plays John Gotti from, like, age 25 to 75. It is phenomenal. Like, Travolta he, playing him in his young... That sounds like something I would like to watch on Mushrooms. Oh, yeah. Because that, that movie, too, is, like, 
It's like mob movies. Here's the thing: if you try and do it like straight off the story, the true book, there's always going to be a million Tonys and Joeys and Vinnies. It like you got to like condense if you can. Like like Joe Pesci's character in Goodfellas. Part of the reason why he's so great is they combine like four different guys in Henry Hill's life into this one character, and so it made that one character ten times more interesting than four or five semi-interesting guys kind of thing of course yeah and so like but like with Gotti, they try to like oh yeah there's frank the chico frank this guy this guy but like they keep introducing characters don't bring them back don't like there's no like connecting <laughs> so it's just like if you're on mushrooms like hey what the fuck happened to that guy who's this guy we're all who are all these fucking people i don't know any of these people so you're telling me it's kind of like cat but with gangsters yeah i haven't seen cats but for everything I've heard about Cats, Gotti absolutely sounds like the gangster movie well, version Mathers, of Cats. You have got to get as high as you can and watch Cats. You know, You've I'll pro- got to. I'll probably do that Friday night. That sounds like a wonderful Friday night activity for It me. is so fun because I think you'll get why it's funny. Just get really, really high. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. like, the funniest part about it is, like, what's his name? Uh, Stringer Bell, Idris uh, Elba, yeah. and Dame Judi Dench. They're like fucking knighted. Like they are like known for like being Shakespearean actors, and here they are as cats. No, that's because like, so... <laughs> like James Corden doing cats is so on brand. It's not even funny. Yeah. No, but there's a couple shots of Dame Judi Dench where like she kind of almost like looks at the camera like, "What am I doing?" What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> it's like. I mean, like, picture being named Judy Dench sitting in that makeup chair for four hours every day going, I'm really going to do this again, aren't I? Really but gonna... she did. Oh, my she God. That's, yeah, I got. I do need to watch that. Well, I was kind of hoping they were going to release the butthole cut. You know what? You're going to have fun even without the butthole cut. Okay. Plenty to enjoy. <laughs> this is, this is, <laughs> <laughs> no, and I'm, de- I'm definitely going to need to get some mushrooms for that. Like that's. I would. Yeah. yeah I, like, that's definitely a situation where you definitely want to be in high gear, have the tank full. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So earlier you were mentioning how your dad lives out here. And I always like to mm-hmm. talk to people on the show about their version of Vegas. So having a parent that lives here makes your version of Vegas ten times more different because you're not always coming here for Magic Mike XL tours. Sometimes you're just coming to hang out with Dad for the weekend. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like kind of two different cities to me. Like, if I'm there with a bunch of friends, then I I usually stay mostly on the strip or maybe go get dinner or, like, drinks or something, you know, in Old Town or something. But mostly just do, like, the fucking Vegas shit, you know. Uh, But then my dad lives, like, yeah, kind of off the strip and out in the suburbs. So when I'm visiting him... I think he lives. You know. like, he lives like Summerlin area, doesn't he? Yeah, he yeah. lives out by Summerlin. So he, we do. It's much more like suburban. Yeah, that's, where, that's like, where I live too. So yeah. Yeah. So actually, yeah, I but think, we go to Red Rocks a lot too. Like that's probably like my main place I used to go when I'm visiting my dad. Is like we like to go to Red Rocks, and we also like to go out to Mount Charleston. Red Rock and Suncoast are the two closest ones to me. So yeah. Yes. So, uh, like, I think, I don't know if I actually live in Summerlin. I was looking at the map. Uh, sometimes they say it's Rock Springs Vista. I kind of like the sound of that, too. And that, Yeah. And, like, that's what I love about that part of Vegas is, like, it's so, like, suburban planned community places like Rock Creek Vista. Well, you know the story Durango. of Summerlin, right? About why Mm-mm. it's the first planned community in America. Really? Yeah. It, uh, Howard Hughes owned the land for years. Oh, and he wanted to build like the world's biggest resort. He like all of Summerlin. He wanted to make like one giant casino complex that was all him, and he was gonna make like his resort area on this side of town was gonna rival the Strip. Like that's what he wanted to do with it all. And then he died, and his family inherited the land. And like somehow, like with the property laws back then, I, I think they've changed since. But it was basically like. You have X amount of years to decide what to do with this land, with how you want to develop it, this and that. And so it was coming close to like, to late, it was like coming like 80, 1987, 1988. It was coming close to the deadline. And they came up with this idea to do this planned community. And they put the first traffic circle in America here because they're like, hey, let's see how that works. See if that, you know, 
lot of drunk drivers here. Instead of people blowing through uh, intersections, they can blow through circles. <laughs> and like, but it turned it turned out they worked, and like they ended up putting a couple more around. So yeah, Summerlin was like basically what was Howard Hughes' idea to be like his uh, Hearst Castle of casinos, but it ended up being the first planned community. Wow, I had no idea that suburban history had been broken right there in Summerlin, where we now get to enjoy our Z pizzas. Yeah, no, like it's great, and I got some good spots near me. I got a good Chinese spot. I got the good pub bar that uh, has been. They have a to-go window, like separate from the bar. Oh, I love that. It's fucking. Awesome. I mean, that's what I love about that part of Vegas is like it has all the creature comforts. Like, let's be honest, there's something great about a planned community in a suburb. Like, there's so much they get right yeah. with a chain. So they have all of that, but then with the fun bonus of you're still in Vegas, so it's like, yeah, not only is this a TGI Fridays, but it's open 24 hours. Exactly. Yeah. No, like right by me, there's like there's a few good like bars, like right up the street at Buffalo. Uh, there's a place called Charlie Down Unders. It's like an Australian. Okay. It's like an Australian like crocodile Dundee theme bar. It fucking. Oh, that rules. fun. Yeah, but it's like right in the middle of like. Next to like groceries, like Albert's, it's like right next to Albert's, exactly. And CVS and yeah, shit. it's fucking, it's pretty cool. You're like, oh my god, this place is amazing. Like in LA, that would be like a fucking hardcore, trendy West Hollywood spot. So you'd have to like go find parking and like get yeah. a parking ticket and lift. And there, it's like, like I said, you have all the comforts of the suburbs. Like it's easy to park. Yeah, that's like it's, an, it's like an eight dollar Uber for my pad if I just want to go there and get hammered. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I feel like Uber has made Vegas, like, so much more accessible, too. Well, what's cool is, like, okay, just, Obviously. Like, so, they're just going down Buffalo, there's that one. There's Steiner's, um, which is, like, a, just, like, regular pub kind of place. Then there's the Texas Roadhouse Saloon, or the Roadrunner Saloon, which is, like, a Texas-style kind of barbecue bar. And then there's the West, West Cliff Lodge, used to be West Cliff Station. That's the one closest to me. And that's got, the, like, the takeout window and stuff. So, like, those are all. And then there's the end zone over on Rainbow around the block on the other side. So, like, just within, like, a $10 Uber, I can think of, like, five, six places, basically. That's pretty sweet. Like, I, I got, like. That's all you need. I, I don't need, you know, like. Because I, I did kind of miss, like, in, when, in living in East Hollywood, uh, the, like, prime time right there. <laughs> I loved prime time. Prime time is. Yeah. I, when that place closes down, yeah. a piece of me is gonna die inside. Like that place, it's probably closed. Let's, there's no way that survived the pandemic. I have a feeling they were just open. Like, but see, they seem like they were just open. either that or yeah, speak, I mean, going speakeasy about... during it. Like... Oh yeah, I mean they basically were just already a speakeasy. They were just running maybe legit for the sake of it. But that place definitely had speakeasy vibes. There were so many times I would go there, and they, I would just like. They'd feed me like a huge meal of fried chicken because someone had a birthday party and they left a plate a table of food out. There was like, always someone's birthday in the back. I feel like that was the kind of place where like it was almost like it had like big fish vibes where you might end up pouring your own pictures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> me and Matt Peters used to do that. Like we used to do that all the time at Big Fish. Just go back there. All right, I, I need a bottle. Oh, I guess I'll, I'll pour another pitcher while I'm back here. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Big Fish was my favorite. I always got free pitchers of Coors Light for eating hot peppers. Oh, yeah, yeah, Billy yeah. Dilly yeah. Billy Dilly definitely will pull out. Yeah, I don't mind eating the hot yeah. pepper for a pitcher. Yeah, that's a good deal. No, it was well worth it because then you have a whole pitcher of beer to get rid of the spiciness. Oh, you know what's a cool bar that I got to take you to over here, too? It's like, it's kind of, a, eh, it's a few minutes from me, but it's over on Charleston Boulevard called Kelly's. It's like a, it's like a straight South Boston Irish pub, like cash only still, like obvious front for like the whitey bulger mob like it's fucking awesome (laughs) but that's one of those ones where like like, sean would like that one too obviously because he's a big irish bar type guy but um no they have like a a slot machine football contest so like when you win on video poker yeah then you get a chance to pick like to put your hat in for the football and so it's like you write a team down you think gonna win that weekend and if they pull your name out and you want it you win like the ultimate jackpot for that week so it's like a weekly jackpot in addition to everything on top of that. So yeah, it's pretty cool. Hell yeah. Um, no, but yeah, like so, like, but it's you get like the suburban Vegas. It's a different type of. I don't know. I like it. Like, 
It's a very unique hang. Yeah. I mean, I enjoy it. I always have fun when we're out there. Yeah. I mean, normally like if we go out to the bars, you know, usually I'm there to see my family or whatever. So we might get a drink or two before going home. So I don't like have like regular spots that I love yet, but I'll take care of that. Like, you know, you know, there's a place that, and me and Jen kept meaning to go there right before pandemic. And then we did it. And now I'm like, that's the first place I want to go once I'm fucking ready when it's open or whatever. It's called Mango's Beach Bar. Sounds great. And I looked it up on Yelp, and they have like a fake beach scene with like sandboxes and stuff in the back patio. Oh, that sounds great. With like, like it's like brick walls with like beach murals painted on it with sandboxes and Ooh. shit. And that's out in Summerlin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like it's like right by uh right off Rainbow and like uh the Summerlin Parkway. Oh, that sounds incredible. Yeah, yeah. It looks fucking awesome. There is some place here, I can't remember what it's called, but it's across the street from the Santa Fe station. And it was like a like an Alaska Alaskan prospector theme bar. <laughs> that was pretty fucking cool. <laughs> I can see that being kind of like Bigfoot vibes, but without like the Los Feliz pretentiousness. Exactly. I think you just nailed that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was very much that. And like see, a lot of these two have like cool like like separate like rooms for shit. So it's like, I think... Well, you know what that means. You got to start a show there. Yeah, no, I'll just do live podcasts there. Fuck that. Like, I'd rather do that. <laughs> but no, it's, uh, like, yeah, like, I'm, I, what my real goal, of course, is to open up my own social club here. Mm. Like, because I look at those mob social clubs, and I'm like, hey, those don't have to be fronts for, like, doing, like, selling heroin. You can just make that a legit place where you hang out, eat eat cold cuts, and watch ball games and play cards all day. Have a couple poker games going yeah. on. Yeah. Get a small... Yeah, some good snacks. Get a little espresso machine in there, you know? Like, yeah. Have a few TVs. You know what that, what that reminds me of is um, a mic in LA that I always ran... Like, you know how you have those mics that like you love and you can't even explain why? But I love the mic at the Burbank VFW. That was, like, one of my favorite mics. Because, like, I never really knew any of the comics there. So I could actually, like, test out jokes, you Yeah, know? see, yeah. It's but it was, friends, like, yeah. Yeah, but it was, like, such a, like, cozy vibe. Like, there was just, like, shitty couches and TVs. And there was always, like, snacks out and, like, carpet on the floor and, like, cheap beer. Like, I love, like, that kind of a hang. I, I never have been there, and I never went to that mic, but I did go to Ken Barnard's wedding reception at the Burbank Moose Lodge, and Ooh. that was fucking awesome, because they were like, all right, they're hooking us up, open bar from 7 to 9, and we were like, all right, hell yeah, and it was like all Chicago comics, basically, and me, and like a bunch of other, so like, we, dr- we tipped so well for the two hours of open bar, they're like, all right, it was like 8.45, they're like, all right, we just want to let you guys know you guys have done such a good job of tipping and mm-hmm. keeping this place going that we're going to keep the open bar going till midnight now. We're all like, oh, nice. hell yeah. But you guys had already been drinking as if open bar was going to end. So, yeah, we were hammer-timed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's how that went yeah. down. But, no, that was, that, like, I really want to join, like, a Moose Lodge or Elks Lodge or something like that out here. I think that would be cool. Same. Because it's, Cause like. Isn't Tamara, our friend Tamara, she's, um, is she a member at the Hollywood? Yeah, at the uh, VFW. Lodge? Yeah, yeah. At the... Yeah, yeah. Um, so, like, I think. I, that place is awesome. Yeah, that place rules. Because that's, like, that amazing, like, 1940s Art Deco, like, masterpiece building. Like, it's, the bar is incredible. It's, like, beautiful. It's, like. Should be in like really a Ritz Car- should be like in a Ritz Carlton or something like that. Like honestly, yeah. But like, what's cool and is, is that open to the public because I've been there for her show. But like, can you just go in if you want? You have to be with a member, I believe, or like a special invite. Okay. I think I'm okay. eligible to join because her dad was fought in Vietnam, and I think if you're a grand, like you have to have to be a veteran, parent, or grandparent. My grandfather served in World War II. Oh, my so, grandfather is a veteran, too. So, yeah, I think if your grandkids can join, but, like, if not, Elks Lodge, Moose, like, my grandma was a member at the Moose Lodge, and that shit's pretty tight because I got a lot of bingo nights and a lot of drinking nights at that bar, too. But basically what these places are are, like, dive bar country clubs. I know. And I can really, I think both of us really, this is a, this is our future here, <laughs> Tess, like. Absolutely. You know this is my vibe. Like, I loved White Horse. I love, like, a. I to me like a dive is a perfect bar and it's really hard to nail. Yeah, but like see, a good dive is. That's why I want my own social club, just a small storefront. I can convert to like a little hangout. Like yeah, you. I guess I would have to have a liquor license and a gambling license for here, 
because I would definitely want to get one of the William Hill sportsbook machines so I can load my sportsbook account at my own social club so I can sit there and bet all day. Like that's just mwah. that's that's the that's the life right there. But I think it's great, and I think you can have like yeah, obviously TVs for sports and stuff like that, but maybe other programming like maybe oh yeah, well, you think OJ not- stuff. You think we're not gonna watch the uh yeah, the next OJ trial there? Come on. <laughs> Maybe that's how you get your first batch of customers. They self select and the people that wanna be there are meant to be there. Well, you know who I'm uh who automatically get to be members? The people that subscribe to my Patreon over at patreon.com slash the pod. Hope you check that out. If you join our our tier, all you gotta do is when I open my social club say hey i'm a member of the social club and show me your like it on your phone and you get to be in the private mafia social club how cool is that like i I, that's a promise that i probably won't be able to keep but we can all dream one day (laughs) get in on the ground floor you heard it here first yep 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 all right tess you have anything you want to plug on the way out here while we uh get going like we mentioned your show lady to lady i don't think my audience uh help would help you grow your guys's audience too much more because i got like five people but they're loyal oh well, yeah <laughs> if you want to listen to my comedy podcast lady to lady uh if you can find it anywhere you get podcasts and it's lots of fun very funny very funny i love you girls over there you guys all crack me up and i would, uh, i actually i think was in a segment once with uh brandy and uh camera about doing the easter bunny stuff at the mall <laughs> Oh yeah, because <laughs> yeah. like, like Brandy and Barbara were both our so two of our Easter bunnies. While me and Tama manned the photo booth and and uh, worked the register. Yeah, no, that was kind of like a storyline that we had going for like a couple months. It's just like their escapades working with you guys. Yeah, at we the had, Easter bunny. Station. We had fun. Yeah, it was good times. Yeah, that seems like it would make a good TV show. Oh yeah, like I gotta say, because like I I worked at the mall. My first like job job where i filled out a w-2 and had tax returns for was working at the mall at a um uh santa fe springs mall which is a horrible mall in whittier santa fe springs area but uh like we worked for my grandma but it was me and my friends and we did the clipboard like doing interviews around the mall like surfing so but like what's funny is like we would have to show like four different movie trailers and they would tell us which one they like best you know and they're freaking out and some of the movie trailers were hilarious. So it's like, I'm getting high going to work and watching movie trailers all day. <laughs> Just the same trailers yeah, over, yeah, and over, over and over again. <laughs> but it was a... Oh, man. But they're like mall people. Like I don't know. It's weird because there's people that go to the mall every day that just want to hang out there. There's the people that work there. There's like different layers of the people that work there. Like kiosk people don't count as much as the people in the stores. Food court, that's its own whole world over there you know like but like everybody eats at the food everybody court. yeah so food like, courts where food you want people know everyone yep dude you know what i recommend is i saw this great documentary at slam dance called jasper mall it's really really good i think it's on either amazon or hulu but it's about this mall somewhere in like the south or something that is like closing because malls are closing yeah but the people that are like still there is this like beautiful portrait of america and there's like this whole group of people that still go there every day and just watching them go to this like shell of a mall, it's it's a great. Movie. There's a South Park about that of like an Amazon worker strike. So they're like, "What do we used to do before Amazon?" Oh yeah, we went to the mall, and it shows all these like trolls still living there, like that work there. Yeah, like, <laughs> it's, it's a fucking trip. They're like in a time warp. But then there's like also new teenagers that go hang out there because like teenagers still need yeah, a place. Still, to, like... Yeah, that's a good place. And people aren't gonna say, "Hey, go away!" This time they're gonna let them stay. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's so we brilliant. finally got the teenagers finally got them all yeah i'm glad they won that battle i uh <laughs> i really miss miller's outpost i feel like that was a, i loved miller's outpost that was the that was staple of malls yeah if your mom had a miller's and outpost didn't, like my mom had a miller's outpost did your miller's outpost have like a mural on the wall that was like an old-timey like country scene oh yeah i think okay we had two miller the san Bay springs uh, mall had one and the whitwood mall had one I believe the Whitmall would because that was a nicer one near Friendly Hills, and so that one, I believe it had like the like platform that had like the Old West Town like built up around it. That's what it was. Yeah. That, yeah, it was like a whole like scene, almost like a fucking Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, of. yeah, like you're walking into a like you're walking onto a set, like. Yeah. 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 No, it made shopping really exciting, and they just had like good, like mainstream shit. 
Yeah. You knew you were gonna be like, okay, as long as your shit was from Miller's I'll, Outpost. I'll, I'll, I'm gonna go get me a, a some pair of Levi's and an Anchor Blue shirt. I believe Anchor Blue is like the Miller's Outpost like in store label. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I, I brought some serious Anchor Blue in my time. Like, uh, oh, so much AB. Yeah. So much AB. And you know, there's always that kid that's like, I'm gonna get the Anchor Blue overalls in seventh grade, and you're like, you're not gonna be able to pull them off, bro. And they never could. I pulled off overalls in junior well, high. Well, you are the kind of person that can. I'm talking about some of these, like, these chuds nowadays. You know, they, some of these chuds that, you know, uh, sit around trying to pee into their own mouth all day. Those are, those guys <laughs> definitely, definitely not rocking overalls in seventh grade. No, I mean, for good reason, they don't have the appropriate amount of confidence to rock those overalls. <laughs> <laughs> well that's a good uh, peeing in your mouth and not being able to wear overalls as a result of that it's a good note to go out on on this one Tess thank you so much for joining me <laughs> make sure you follow Tess on Twitter at Testify Barker um, and uh, check out Lady to Lady one of my favorite pods out there I love it so thank you so much for coming and everybody thank you for listening and I will see you next episode bye bye and that was Tess Barker. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, next week, I got Lizzie Cooperman, Nick Rutherford, and then uh, Matt Dwyer and Eli Braden come on up after that. A lot of fun stuff. Uh, and trust me, the Eli Braden one, we're going to really uncover this whole Wall Street scandal of hedge fund guys getting bent over by Redditors. So thank you so much. And if you like the show, give us a follow on Twitter and or Instagram, depending on what your kick is, at uh, Pod. And if you'd like to help us out and help me make some upgrades and get the thing a little bit bigger and better, you can subscribe to the Patreon where I got exclusive content over at patreon.com slash luckstopspod. Thank you so much, everybody, and I will be back next week with Nick and Lizzie, just like I said. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.